Hello, listeners. I'm Jim Fox, and welcome to the Luminovation Podcast. This episode has been on my mind for a few months now. For this show, unfortunately, I won't have a guest. And, well, just as a side note, I promise you that having an episode of the Luminovation Podcast without a guest is going to be a very rare thing going forward. But for now, just for the next few minutes, you're stuck with me and just me. Wait, what, what, what? Don't leave yet. Stick around. I think it'll be informative, even if we don't have a guest. Uh, I promise. Just stick around. Give it a try. You see, the purpose of the Luminovation podcast is to teach you and me about the creative process, whether that's art, manufacturing, engineering, music, entrepreneurship, and much, much more. I hope to cover the making and creating of just about anything and everything. So it seems reasonable that I should spend a little bit of time talking about the making and creating of the Loom Innovation Podcast, right? At the time of this particular recording, I've posted 11 episodes of the Loom Innovation Podcast. I don't know exactly when I'll post this one, so it's possible that a few more may be uploaded before this one goes live. But regardless of the exact number, having a dozen or so shows is enough to gather at least a few thoughts about some of the things that I have learned along the way. So yeah, this show will just be a short dialogue about some of the bumps that I've had along the way some of the things that have gone right, I think, you be the judge, and some general observations. So yeah, this episode is going to cover what it's been like to make my very first podcast. Let's start with software, DAW, Digital Audio Workstation, whatever you choose to call it. I use GarageBand. That comes free on Mac products, iPhone, iPad, Macintosh or at least it was free when I got it. Perhaps they charge for it now. I'm not sure. But it was free when I got it. Audacity is also common. That's a a program used probably more commonly on PCs. But uh, either one, uh, and there's there's others as well, but GarageBand or Audacity or whichever one, they're both approximately the same, do about the same kind of thing. Uh, GarageBand is relatively easy to use, but it does take some practice. However, I've learned that just learning to use the software and learning which buttons to, to click to do a certain function, that's really not not the skill of interest here. What to do with those tools and how to use those to get a good quality show and some of the tips and tricks of audio production, that's really what you need to be focused on. There's tons and tons to learn when it comes to sound production, mixing, fading, volume levels, frequency bands, equalizers, master tracks, ah, the list goes on. It's way, way lots to learn, lots to learn there. I've still been learning on each episode. I think, uh, I, I know I've still got a lot more to learn, but I think if you listen to some of the audio production of the earlier ones and some of the audio production of the last few shows, that there's a noticeable difference, or at least I hope there is. I can tell you on my end, though, that I can produce a show in a way smaller amount of time now than what I could in my first few shows. So I'm getting better. Uh, a lot of room to uh, to grow there still. Uh, I think if I were to do it over again, I would maybe find someone nearby who's maybe in a band and has kind of produced their own shows, produced some of their own albums and records, and, and sit down next to them while they're putting together a song to learn how they use the tools of... GarageBand to get the sound just right. Uh, Still a lot to learn there. It's not completely overwhelming, but there's a lot to do if you want to try to uh, get it to sound right, right out of the gates. But uh, learn as you go. As a few episodes uh, get get down, you'll you'll get better at it. One other thing, track length. Uh, GarageBand is primarily meant for recording songs, and songs are generally three, four, or five minutes long. 
Uh, podcasts are generally way longer than that, right? Some of my shows get out to be about an hour or so. GarageBand doesn't, by default, uh, play well with uh, audio tracks that are an hour long. But I've learned that if you change the tempo setting to 40, uh, that will allow it to not, uh, so to speak, run out of tape um, on a given track. The tracks can, can last up to just over an hour or so if you set the tempo to 40. So that's a, that's a tip that took me a little bit of time to figure out how to do, and I think I found that in Google, actually. Uh, bottom line, just learning how to use and manipulate the software, that's really not that difficult, but learning how to effectively use those tools to make for a good-sounding show, that can be a handful at times. Uh, find some help. I'm still learning. Uh, I don't really want to say too much about it because I'm by no means an expert just yet, but find someone near you who can help you with that or just kind of dig in and learn as you go like I did. Moving on to the actual recording, um, obviously I'm still learning quite a bit about that as I go on each episode, but a few things about microphone volume, recording in echoey rooms, ugh, I'm, I am haunted by episodes five and six when I was doing the Bayou City Arts Festival show. I, I was totally happy with the content of those shows, but wow, the audio there is hideous. I'm hoping I can someday find a way to go back and correct that, but uh, I'm fearful that I will never be able to do that. Those shows are probably always doomed. Uh, let's see, echoey rooms was just, that just killed me there. Uh, but learning about microphone placement, recording volume, uh, I think I have had a few shows where I screwed up uh, the fact that I had the microphones recording too loudly, and then I would turn that down in post-production with, uh, with GarageBand, and that is not the way to go. I've still got a lot to learn there, but learning how to put the microphones in the correct location so that you can record with the record volume relatively low is a way better way to go. But uh, just like I said with the software, find someone who's done this before and, uh, and uh, maybe go buy them lunch and perhaps they'll show you some tips and tricks. Uh, there's a lot to learn there. But uh, yeah, try to minimize... Uh, all of the external noises, whether that be an echo or whether that's something going on in the room next door. Uh, mic placement is, is a big thing. How to set up your recording equipment to record at the proper volume is a big thing. I think it's best to find someone who's done that before. And yeah, maybe you'll get better at it. Hopefully you will. I'm getting better at it, but I wish I had uh, someone here nearby that had done it before and I could learn quicker probably. Let's talk about recording equipment now. I uh, tend to record most of my shows. In fact, all of them I've recorded out in the field um, in one way or another. I, I don't actually have a home studio. I have a Mac at my place and I record uh, intros and outros and I'm recording this show here, of course, right here at my, my, my home office. But generally the shows are recorded out in a business or out in an art studio or outside somewhere. And for that, I need things that are very mobile. Uh, what I have learned is that uh, an iPad that I've already owned, I, I take an iPad, it's very small and easy to carry. I have a thing from Focusrite called the iTrack Dock. I literally bought that in a pawn shop for about 100 bucks. It works great with the iPad. I've got uh, two headset microphones. Those are Audio-Technica BPHS-1 headset microphones. I got those from uh, Spaceboy. He uh, recommended, uh, recommended me 
to buy those. He's had good luck with those, so I've used them. So I've got two of those. I've also got a tabletop mic so that I can set a mic down on a table and have two or three people sharing a mic. That's worked out well. All of those things can break down to be pretty small and light. Um, let's see, the very first show I took, actually it was the very first show I recorded, was the Ragbri show in episode number one. Ragbri is the most amazing bike ride ever in Iowa. So I took, um, I took my podcast equipment up there prior to knowing when I was actually going to launch the podcast, but I knew that I was going to sometime in the, in the future right after that event. But I didn't quite know how to get all of my equipment there you know, without taking tons and tons of stuff. So I got looking into Pelican cases. Those are the hard case with a lot of foam and stuff inside of them. You see a lot of professional equipment being carried that way. But uh, look those up on Amazon or wherever, and you'll see that those are very expensive, and they're actually rather large. So I got, got looking for a better solution, and <laughs> I found it at Goodwill, of all things. I carry my equipment now in a small carry-on suitcase, much like you would uh, use at the airport to, to carry on to the plane. So all of my equipment, the iPad, the, uh, the iTrack, my two headset mics, the tabletop mic, and cables, uh, and various other little accessories, with some bubble wrap, I can carry all of those things in a carry-on suitcase. It's very small. It's portable. I can put it in my car and drive out to wherever and, and record a show. I've taken it on two different airplane flights. Um, it works really well. So I think for my kind of show, uh, where I tend to want to be out talking to people in their environment, it's best to have equipment that's very mobile. Uh, for those of you that want to do shows that are all in a studio, then that's, of course, a completely different uh different kind of setup but but for me where I want to take equipment out on the go uh, having a carry-on suitcase with the uh, bubble wrap um, and all of the equipment I've got it, it works it works really well so that's that's been good for me but yeah the 799 suitcase at Goodwill uh, which is basically a carry-on suitcase has kind of worked amazing for me and super cheap I think you'll probably be able to do the same thing if you tried now let's move on to the content of the show uh, of course, my show is about uh, uh, long-format interviews with guests who have got some kind of connection to a creative or technology field. Uh, so you guys have listened to uh, several of the shows, I think. And so you'll see that uh, I try to do a bit of research for each show, and sometimes I do a lot of research for the shows just so I can um, get at uh, some really good questions with the guests. The show that I recorded, or I'm sorry, the show that I researched the most with was Without Question, Episodes 5 and 6 with uh, Tony Parana and the Bayou City Art Festival. Um, that took a better part of a week to study him and his art and to learn more about the Bayou City Art Festival. I'd been to that event many times. I was familiar with it, but I didn't know some of the behind-the-scenes things. So I, I researched that for for most of a week before the show. And that helped a lot. I think it. I think it made the show more interesting to the listeners, but it also allowed me to get uh, deeper questions that I maybe wouldn't have been able to ask without the research. Uh, let's see. Take a few minutes before the show to briefly briefly review your notes, just to kind of get your mind straight and to help in your mind kind of get uh, get the order of the show, get uh, get the flow of the show right. So, you know, spend a few minutes before the show, before you turn on the mics, to just review your your notes and, and go over them and try to figure out how you want the show to go and 
and what is the order is how do you flow from one segment to the next or from one subject to the next. Uh, also, a tip that uh, I did just on the last uh, episode I posted before recording this on episodes 10 and 11 with the Kickstarter show was that I spent a few minutes with each of those guests to say, hey, here, here is the goal of this show. Uh, so I had uh, three different guests on that each had successful Kickstarter projects. So I, I certainly wanted to give those guys a shout out for their projects, but the real focus of that show was not their projects, but rather how does a listener start a Kickstarter project. So so I, I told them before we turned on the mic, is like, hey, the goal of this show is to really teach the listener how to run a Kickstarter project. And I also told them that at the beginning of the show and at the end of the show, we'll have an opportunity to give a shout out to each of your products very specifically so that they felt like they were getting some good uh, PR and promotion out of it as well. But really the guts of that show was about teaching the listener how to do a Kickstarter project. So I, I wanted to advertise that to them before we turned on the mics. I think it's probably a good idea for all shows is to let the guests know exactly what the purpose of the show is. What, what is the goal? Why are they on the show? That's a good thing to do. But uh, yeah, just general, do your research. Understand who your guest is. Know the behind-the-scenes things about the guest, maybe that that it will allow you to, to ask a deeper question that you maybe otherwise wouldn't think of. So do your research. That being said, sometimes it's okay to just wing it and just kind of go with the flow. The uh, very first episode, uh, episode one with Ragbri up in Iowa, uh, I had ridden that event uh, several times prior to us recording that show, and uh, my co-host Rico was new to it, uh, but I had known him for several years, and I knew kind of his capabilities, and I, I knew he was good at just kind of ad-libbing and, and uh, being outgoing with folks. So that one, we really didn't do any show preparation at all. We uh, just kind of sat down in the middle of a, a courthouse square and... Uh, found someone there to talk to, and in fact, we found three people. Emily was uh, the first guest on there, and we had a couple other guests afterwards. But we didn't really do any preparation for that event at, at all. We just kind of kind of winged it, and it, I think it turned out really well. Uh, you be the judge. But uh, generally, I think it is absolutely best to do research. On occasion, if you're familiar with the subject already, perhaps you can wing it and, and, and do fine. Also, in episode three, when I was in Carbondale, Illinois, for the solar eclipse, uh, that was uh, almost entirely ad-libbed as well. I walked into uh, the festivities there at Carbondale, Illinois, ran into a FIRST Robotics team, and I know that part of what FIRST Robotics does is teaches their students how to properly do PR and how to talk about their program. So I knew that if I could talk to the students there on the robotics team, that they already had the ability to kind of tell their story. And, and I'm familiar with FIRST Robotics, so I could tell... To, you know, help kind of help them tell their story and all that. So, so that's another one that I kind of just winged with uh, very little uh, preparation. But generally, I think it is it's best to do, do your research. And and in fact, I actually enjoy doing the research almost as much as I enjoy doing the show. So, uh, you definitely got to do that. Do some research ahead of time for most shows. Let's break out of the program here for a few seconds to give a shout out to our sponsor, Puzzometry, the hardest puzzle you'll never solve. If you love working on challenging, unique, and beautiful mechanical puzzles, then you've just got to try Puzzometry. P-U-Z-Z-O-M-E-T-R-Y, Puzzometry.com. 
They have three different puzzles to choose from, and all are for sale at Puzzometry.com. Check it out. You'll be glad that you did. Puzzometry can also be found on Twitter and Facebook. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Luminovation Podcast, where we shine a light on innovation. Before we get back to the program, I want to let you know that you can find all of the episodes of the Luminovation Podcast on our webpage, luminovation.com. That's L-U-M-innovation.com, luminovation.com. We are also on iTunes as well as soundcloud.com. Another tip for actually doing the show or that you can keep in mind while actually recording the show is to have your guest to actually spell hard to understand or obscure words. That will help the audience not only understand what you're saying, but also know how to Google it to learn more. Uh, the example that comes to mind is, uh, again, episode six with uh, Todi Parana from the Bayou City Art Festival. He was the featured artist there. He was from Brazil. He knew English very well, of course, but he had a, a pretty strong Brazilian accent. And he's uh, heavily involved in a martial art called capoeira. And I'm sure I just said that wrong. I don't know the language, but capoeira. But he, when he said it with his accent and said it correctly, me as a native English speaker, I really didn't have a clue what the word was. I knew from my research what he was referring to. But I think if I remember right, I asked him to spell that so that the audience could understand that capoeira was spelt the way it was and they could Google it and look it up. And I think if I remember right, over the last uh, few episodes, I've I've done similar things with spelling the people's names or spelling names of companies. Uh, so keep in mind that um, your audience doesn't have anything more than audio to go by. So you know what you may pick up visually if you're having a conversation with someone in person that information doesn't always transfer when it's an audio-only podcast. So sometimes it's wise to uh, spell hard-to-understand words or obscure words. Another thing that I'm learning, I just got some uh, feedback here in the last few days, is that when you have a show with multiple guests, on occasion you'll get two guests whose voice sounds very similar. And during those scenarios, it's hard for the audience to sometimes distinguish which person is speaking so uh, I'm going to try to get into the habit of getting better at specifically calling people by name uh, just before they talk so that the audience can have a bit more of a context clue about who is speaking. So yeah, some things to, uh, to keep in mind there so that the audience can help follow along when they're just listening. How to prepare before the show. There's a handful of things uh, that you can do. Um, let's see, in a previous life, I uh, did work radio for a little bit, so I learned a few of these things from my radio experience, and uh, some of the others I just kind of picked up along the way. And some of the suggestions I'm about to let you know about are, uh, perhaps they work, perhaps they don't, I don't know, maybe they're, uh, maybe they're internet bunk, maybe, they're, uh, uh, maybe they work for some folks, and maybe not so much for others, but who knows. Um, Certainly, I, I know one thing, if you eat spicy foods generally before a show, your nose is going to be running and you'll have all kinds of weird noises going on in the microphone. So try to avoid avoid things like that. So be careful of what you eat before a show. Some people even say that uh, some foods eating, eaten just before a show can actually help your voice. Uh, some folks suggest that apples, uh, teas, and lemons will actually help your voice somehow. Uh, I'm not sure if I've experienced that personally, but uh, that's what some folks... Um, that's kind of some of the myth or 
the legend, I guess, of uh, doing audio recording. So perhaps research some of that yourself and see what works for you. Uh, in a not-so-nice subject, there are some foods, of course, that make you gassy. Yuck. Uh, burps and belches don't really make for great listening, of course. So try to be aware of that and um, try to avoid all those weird noises. Some other uh, noises to avoid are things like uh, drinking bottles. So for like, like, for instance, the last two episodes, episodes 10 and 11, I was drinking throughout the show um, some bottled iced tea. Uh, Gold Peak Iced Tea, I think, was the brand. And I had learned over time that their bottle caps, as you untwist them and take a drink and put the cap back on, they don't really make much noise. So you, I, I hope you didn't hear that I was unscrewing a bottle cap and putting it back on every few minutes and taking a drink. I don't think it came through. There are definitely some bottles that do make more noise. So if you uh, have drinks nearby when you're recording, which you probably should to keep your your throat and your mouth from going dry. Uh, be aware which which kind of drinking containers, whether that's a cup or a bottle. Uh, do what you can to minimize noise. Just setting a, a cup down on the table can make a, a noise that will come through the microphone sometimes. Um, yeah. Another thing to do is to, uh, I guess you could say, warm up your voice before a show. I don't specifically do that, but uh, but I, I do definitely talk to the guests or something a bit before the show, just before we turn on the mic. Uh, a silly side story about that. Way back back in the day when I taught physics, high school physics, I uh, I woke up in the morning. I, I got dressed, did all the things you do in the morning. I drove to school. My very first, just random dumb luck, my very first time I ever attempted to say anything at all that day was in front of the first period class. And I had no idea that I'd woke up horse that day. <laughs> So it was kind of a kind of a weird experience that I'm trying to talk in front of a group of 20 or 30 students, and I don't have a voice, and I just discovered it then. Uh, so if I were to do a podcast show and not know that I was hoarse when I turned on the mic, that would be kind of a bad show, right? So, so yeah, warm up your voice a little bit. Uh, make sure you still have a voice when you're about to do the show. But yeah, there, there are some uh, some of the things you can do to kind of make sure your your voice is ready for game time. Another thing to uh, look out for, uh, speaking of uh, voice and background noise uh, and other such weird noises, is a trick I did learn in radio way back in the day, is to have uh, lip balm or chapstick handy nearby. Uh, your lips have a tendency to get uh, kind of dry sometimes, and it sounds weird, uh, but the smacking of your lips as you're talking can actually sometimes come through the microphone. Uh, lip balm keeps uh, your lips... Uh, from going dry and and the lip balm will actually eliminate or minimize the lip smack um, that does come through microphones. It's weird that you, if you're having a conversation with someone that doesn't actually come through and just normal face-to-face conversation, but it actually can get picked up by the mic and it, uh, it's, yeah, it absolutely can come through. And, and if you, if it happens on a show and you start noticing it as a listener, it just completely distracts you. It's a, it's a really weird phenomenon that doesn't really occur in face-to-face conversation, but it can in recording. So be aware of that. Have some lip balm nearby. Also be aware of uh, just a nervous habit of tapping on the table. Wherever you're recording, maybe tapping a pen or a pencil on the table just as a nervous habit. That's a bad thing. It'll come across the microphone as a, as a clicking noise, just as a, just a, that kind of thing. And you may not even realize that you're doing it, but it uh, 
but it does come across and you'll certainly realize it as you start listening to this show. Um, I guess a solution to that is if you know you're a person with kind of a nervous habit and always want to fiddle with something, which is generally me. I like to kind of have my hands busy doing things at times, it seems. Uh, but you can find maybe um, a stress ball that, that allows you to fiddle with things but stay quiet without making noise, maybe a small plush toy to just kind of keep your hands and fingers busy. So keep that in mind that um, weird nervous tappings and things like that uh, distract from this show. Um, you want to try to minimize background noises, but on occasion, um, background noise can be good. It kind of can set an ambiance or a tone. Uh, whichever episode, was it episode two or three where I was with the uh, League City uh, makerspace, um, the creator space episode, uh, we actually recorded that in their creator space and there were machine uh, machines and tools going on in the background. One of the guys there in the creator space was actually making a project that day. So there's a router that gets turned on several times throughout the show. but it, And we kind of sound checked that before the show to make sure that it didn't, didn't come in and totally overwhelm the audio. And I don't think it did, but you can definitely hear it in the show. And that was on purpose. Uh, perhaps someone better skilled at production than me could have had that mixed in at a more appropriate volume. But I did want to capture that. I wanted to make it clear to the audience that we were actually in a makerspace and there were maker things going on. So so you hear some of those tools in the background. Also, at, at Ragbri, I think some of the background noise of just the people shuffling in the background and, and uh, walking around and enjoying the event came through. So that was that was good. You can definitely hear that in the shows we did at the uh, Maker Fair in Houston. Uh, was that episode 7, 8, and 9, I think? Or 8, 9, and 10, perhaps. I forget which one it was. There were three shows there that we did at the Maker Fair, and, and we very specifically set up to have some of the ambiance come through and, and to make it sound like we were out in a crowd. So yeah, uh, there's like I said, there's some work to be had on making sure the balance of that background noise is is right, and I'm I've still got some things to learn on that. But but I think having some background noise to to share with the audience that you're actually at a live event and out in a crowd actually I think that helps the show. Let's talk a bit more of uh, about the about the business side of things. I guess you could call it um, the branding, social media, the name of the podcast. Um, I knew for quite a while that I wanted to to do a podcast that it approximately is what Luminovation has become and and started out as, but I didn't know exactly the exact flavor that it was going to be, and I couldn't quite come up with a a podcast name that was fully encapsulating of that idea. So I started throwing around a few ideas, and uh, some better than others, some really hideous bad ones, some good ones. And I finally settled on Luminovation because of the wordplay of Lumen, which, you know, of course means light, and then innovation, which, well, of course means innovation. Uh, so I sent that around, that idea around to uh, several people, and I'll be honest, I got some uh, mixed reactions. Some people said that, no, it's it's not good. Others said, yeah, it's fine. So so I got mixed reaction. Uh, for better or worse, I settled on it. Uh, part of the reason that I settled on it uh, was that the domain name was available. Uh, I also settled on it because... It was a unique word that if I Googled that uh, word, there were very few other replies. So, so it made it very easy to brand as a unique thing. Uh, there were a few other Google replies to Luminovation, but not many. And uh, it was just kind of a weird word that I made up. It, uh, yeah, so branding is important. Can you find a unique name that, that captures what you're trying to communicate with your show? Makes it uh, easy to, 
for someone to find you. Uh, so those things are good. Also, keep in mind social media is important. I've got a Luminovation Twitter account. I've got a Lumin Luminovation Facebook account. Uh, so those things are are easily accessible, and I, I wish I had more time to keep up on those things on the social media aspect. So, you know, as most of you guys know, that, that can be a full-time job, just keeping track of the social media stuff. But but your branding is important. Uh, make sure you've got a, a name that is unique, easy to find, and just by the name itself helps to communicate what it is your your show is about. So that's kind of important, branding. Branding is always always a good thing. Another thing that is a good thing is to make sure that you're finding subjects, uh, whether that's guests on your show or, or topics. Find topics that, that truly interest you. Uh, that will make for a better show because if you're interested, you'll, you'll actually sound more interested and that will translate to the audience and the audience will probably get a better show out of it. Uh, the phrase that I try to keep in mind uh, with uh, me doing the shows is that the interviews are for me. They're purely a selfish thing. I'm doing the interviews for my gain so that I can learn something from the guests, so I can just learn from the guests, learn what the particular art or the creative thing that they're doing is. The uh, interviews are for me. The shows are for you. So I try to find stories that are interesting for me to learn about and get involved with. I pick them because they pique my interest. Uh, if I can find something that I'm interested in, I will probably ask more uh, in-depth questions, more intriguing questions. Uh, hopefully that intrigue and that inquisitiveness will translate into an interesting discussion or an interview, and that will ultimately make for a better show that hopefully you're, you're interested in. So yeah, the interviews are for me, the show is for you. Let's talk a bit more about um, online stuff. We mentioned uh, social media a few minutes ago. Uh, websites. So I've got lumenovation.com. So that is a domain that I now own. Uh, I keep a, uh, I mean, that's kind of the, the home base for Lumenovation. So people can go there and find links to all the shows and find the description of all the shows. And I try to write a couple paragraphs about each show so that uh, there's, a, without listening to anything, you can at least read a paragraph or two to, uh, to understand what this show is about. Uh, I think virtually all podcasts of any quality do that. That's a good idea to Kind of have some liner notes about that. Uh, I use SoundCloud, soundcloud.com, to actually host the audio files. So my shows are about an hour long generally, so the audio files can get to be really large. They're many, many megabytes of data. Uh, technically, you can upload those files to your domain if you own the domain. Uh, but I can tell you that's a bad idea. Don't do that. The reason why that's a bad idea is that the company that you're using to host your com with will probably get really mad at you really quickly if you start having several hundred people downloading a 200 meg file uh, from their from their servers every day that is not the the main business that a web host a company wants to be in they don't want to be dealing with tons and tons of data back and forth across the internet they're there to host your website um, a company like SoundCloud, and there are other competitors to SoundCloud, but a company like SoundCloud is specifically set up to host large file size files. So I host the uh, the actual audio files on SoundCloud. I then link to those files onto my .com. So uh, yeah, luminovation.com is kind of the, the home base for all of the episodes, but they are not actually hosted there. They're hosted on SoundCloud. SoundCloud does have a few free options. Um, I don't actually know what the limits are of those free options. 
but I think it is universally accepted that uh, to get um, the quality and the quantity of files that you're looking for for a podcast show is best to buy one of their services from SoundCloud and pay 100 bucks a year or whatever it is, and, and you'll get uh, a good amount of data available to, to upload and download all your shows. So, so yeah, use a .com as well as a, a host. Uh, SoundCloud, of course, is typically used for music. A lot of mus- musicians use it, but uh, SoundCloud is used for podcasts as well, and there are several other competitors to SoundCloud, so you can Google some of those and find, them out, uh, find those for yourself. But I use SoundCloud, and then I use uh, just a regular domain name. So, yeah, there's that. Have a website. One last thing regarding sound quality. I'm reminded of an interview I heard by the late Tom Petty not long after he died. I think I heard the interview on NPR. He had mentioned that for many years, he and his band would oftentimes take tapes and CDs fresh out of the studio as soon as they'd recorded them and go out to the parking lot and listen to the freshly made CDs and tapes in their car. He wanted to hear the music as the fans would hear it, not in some fancy million-dollar studio, but actually outside in the car. They would sometimes tweak the production and the sound of the CDs and the albums after hearing it that way. So yeah, I know on this uh, episode, or rather on this podcast, I know that a few of the episodes that I've put out sounded really good on my Mac, and thought, hey, this is going to be a good show, so I would post it to the website or iTunes or SoundCloud, and only later would I get feedback from a listener who said, hey, this sound quality is really not all that good, and they were right. Uh, So I've tried to get into the habit now of listening to the MP3 versions of these shows before I post them, and I try to listen to them on something other than my Mac. So hopefully that'll help. It's uh, definitely... Uh, help me be aware of the sound qualities of different sound systems so that as good as the Mac is, it doesn't really do a good job of, of getting good sound quality out there like a Bluetooth speaker would or a car speaker. So, yeah, consider testing the sound of your shows on different types of speakers in different environments before posting them. Well, I hope these tips, tricks, and lessons learned helped you at least a little bit. And if you want to start your own podcast, you'll perhaps have a little bit better starting point than I did. Thank you for putting up for uh, or putting up with my monologue for 30 or 40 minutes or so. And I promise the next show will have at least a couple guests on it. Thanks for listening. See you next time. I'm Jim Fox, and thank you for listening to the Luminovation Podcast, where we shine a light on innovation, creativity, entrepreneurship, and the creative people who make our world a better and more interesting place to live.